Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. This episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean makes it super simple to launch a Kubernetes cluster in minutes. The DigitalOcean Kubernetes platform empowers developers to launch their containerized applications into a managed, production-ready cluster without having to maintain or configure the underlying infrastructure. They seamlessly integrate everything with the rest of the DigitalOcean stack, including load balancers, firewalls, object storage spaces, and block storage volumes. They even have built-in support for public and private image registries like Docker Hub and Quay.io. Developers can now run and scale container-based workloads with ease with the DigitalOcean platform. Learn more, get started for free with a $50 credit at do.co slash changelog. Again, do.co slash changelog. From Changelog Media, this is Founders Talk, one-on-one conversations with founders, CEOs, and makers about their journey, lessons learned, and the struggles they go through to build and run their business. I'm Adam Stokoviak, host of this show and editor-in-chief of Changelog.com. Saranya Bark is the founder and CEO of CodeNewbie, one of the most supportive communities out there for programmers and people learning to code. We love Saran. Saran is the host of the Code Newbie podcast, of course. She's also the host of Command Line Heroes from Red Hat. And she's also the creator of Codeland Conference taking place July 22nd this year in New York City. By the way, a quick side note here. In the latter part of the show, I mentioned to Saran that we'd buy five pay-it-forward tickets to Codeland so we here at Chainsaw can support five people to attend the conference who otherwise could not afford to attend. You can find details for the pay-it-forward tickets in the show notes, so check that out. Saran and I talked through getting started, lessons learned, mental health, developing and running a conference, but our conversation begins with a pivotal moment in Saran's life. I love this post you read about a question that changed your life. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about because it seems very pivotal to you. The question was, what are you optimizing for? Mm-hmm. And I think as a founder, as a, somebody who's a creator, a starter, you know, you kind of get lost in the minutiae sometimes Mm -hmm, of doing all the things, all the ideas. And you sort of like, you almost have a real difficult time finding focus. And that seems to be Mm -hmm. what you kind of talked about here was finding and the struggle of finding your focus. Can you talk about that question for you and maybe how it's played a role in your journey? Sure. So when you're managing any community, but specifically our community of Code Newbies, it is very tempting to be everything for everyone all the time. And so for us, it means being a support system, being a resource, um, doing a little bit of teaching, a little bit of guiding. And there are so many different needs and so many different possible solutions in the community. And it's really hard to kind of feel comfortable focusing on any one thing. And so for us, we have a handful of projects that we do. We have our two podcasts and our annual conference. And so within each of those, it's been really important for me to just go, what am I optimizing for? You know, for example, with our conference, it is the newbie experience, the newbie conference experience, making that as accessible and as enjoyable as possible. Okay, now that's our focus. 
what does that actually look like? What does that mean? What does that mean for the food? What does that mean for the conference badges? What does that mean for the booklet? And so once you have that kind of overarching, that North Star basically, and you know that you're optimizing for comfort, for um, feeling included, uh, then from there, every other decision gets so much easier. And even with the conference, I remember before I got to that point of optimization, I was all over the place. I had you know a bunch of different ideas I wanted to do. I shared them with people. And it wasn't until I talked to a friend of mine who basically said, look, you need to focus on what is the journey of the user experience for this conference. And until you get n- until you nail that, everything is, isn't really going to work that I said, OK, I need to buckle down. I need to focus. So it can be really hard to figure out what you're optimizing for. It can be hard to think in terms of optimization. But once you get there, a lot of other things fall into place. This conference uh, in particular, Codeland, Coming up in July, right? July 22nd in New York City, back yep. in uh, your, your stomping grounds. I know you're not <laughs> there now, but it's probably like a goal for you to get back there. But Yes, yeah. You know, the fact that you're trying to optimize for something, it means that you've got to like think about the user experience of something. Mm-hmm. How did you get there? Like this person that you mentioned, this friend of yours that gave you this advice, was that during the initial planning of the first annual version of it? Or yes. was it sort of after in some, some sort of retrospective? No, it was the first one. It was Dwayne O'Brien. And uh, I told him, hey, I have all these ideas. I want to talk about careers and I want to talk about technical concepts and I want to have a career station. I want to do all these things. And he said, "Okay, stop. Wait. What is what is the the journey? What does the experience look like? And once he asked that question, I basically said to myself, "Okay, I want people to feel welcome and excited and safe. So what does that mean at every single step of that journey? I basically did a user flow but for a conference attendee, right? right? You walk into the building, what's the first thing you see? You see a sign that says Codeland, great. Next, you see an arrow saying, go to the left, wonderful. Now you see a table with badges. Is there one line? Are there three lines? How do you get your badge? How quickly do you get your badge? How much time do you spend in that line? Okay, now you get your badge. Now you go to the elevators. How do you know which elevator to get into? You know, every single step of the way has to be intentional and has to be thought out. And once I did this very long list of literally every single moment, every single point of interaction, from there I was able to say, okay, if you get your badge, you probably want it to have your Twitter handle because that's how people recognize each other from, you know, from the internet. Um, once you are in line to get food, if you're vegan, you probably want to be able to quickly identify what that is and maybe even have a section just for yourself. And so I literally made a list of, as an attendee, what does this look like? As a volunteer, what does this look like? As a sponsor, what does this look like? As a speaker, what does this look like? And after I was able to map out in great detail, I was able to kind of see the holes that I needed to fill and the things that were missing and then make sure to fill those in. It's interesting to sort of put yourself in that position too because you're you're probably using yourself as a version of the attendee, right? Yeah, like You've absolutely. been in maybe at one point. You've been on the changelog before. We've heard your story. We're going to link that up in the show notes. But like you've been there. Mm-hmm. So you can sort of come from this position of like, hey, this is what I would have wanted yep. if I were back in these shoes again. You know, So it's almost like everybody feeling like when they can't teach, mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I'm, I'm not smart enough or I'm not an expert enough or whatever they say they're not enough of. And all they're really doing is just sharing what they've learned from to the person that's two steps back, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like what you're talking about here. 
Yeah, absolutely. When I, I go to a lot of conferences, I do a lot of speaking and every conference I go to, I make a little list of the things I love about the conference and the things that I would change about that conference. And so when I did Codeland, that was my opportunity to go, okay, I have this long list of things that I'm really excited about and things that I really don't like, especially from the perspective of a new developer. Now Mm -hmm. I can put all that to the test. Now I can see, okay, do my ideas actually work? Do people uh, appreciate it? Does it make a a difference? Does it make an impact? And so so, uh, yeah, it comes from a lot of just learning from other people's conference organizing and being able to implement some of the ideas myself. This conference is two years running now. So yes. first one was obviously a success. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that like? What's uh, what's it like to be a conference organizer? It's so hard. It is so freaking hard. Oh, my I goodness. Um, and it's hard for all the the reasons I didn't think it would be hard. You know, the the coming up with the program is, for me, it's a lot of fun. I do one-on-one coaching with all of our speakers. That part is one of my favorite things to do. Um, we put together this awesome booklet, which I love. Like, I love designing. Any chance I get to design something is a lot of fun for me. So a lot of the big projects, I frankly, I really enjoyed. The parts that were hard were figuring out or keeping track of the details. Mm. There's so many little things that don't feel urgent, but if you mess them up, they're detrimental. So for example, yeah. um, booking hotels for all of the speakers, right? We cover travel costs for all of our speakers. And so when we're booking hotels, we might get you know an email from one person that says, hey, actually, I need an extra night. Can you add that to my, you know, my, my booking information? And if I forget to do that, you know, that's kind of it. The person shows up at the hotel. They have no place to stay. The hotel is booked. What are they going to do, right? Like that's one little email, one little detail out of a long list of stuff that I have to do that if I don't do is makes a really, really big difference. And because it's a conference, it's a real life event. If you mess up, that's it. There's no second chance. There's no, mm-hmm. you can't, you know, redeploy, you know, a, a build of a conference. Right. You know what I mean? Like no that's, Yeah, that's, that's it. That's all you can do. And so um, there are just so many of those little details, little things that can slip through the cracks. Um, that was the thing that brought me, frankly, like a lot of stress throughout organizing the conference. Do you find it enjoyable then? It, it's almost it almost like you have a love-hate relationship oh with yeah the love hate is exactly it i mean there are times that i'm like i hate this conference why am i never doing do this, this again why am i doing this to myself and then there are times like oh let's do this again and again you know right so yeah it definitely goes up and down um and i think especially this year i'm really lucky to be working with abby phoenix who is um the uh executive administrator for ruby central she organizes rubyconf and railsconf um she's amazing and she's been taking over a lot of the things that i find really stressful so that i can focus on the things i really like so this year um, it's been a lot more love than hate because I have someone kind of taking on a lot of that work for me Um, but yeah it's really stressful Uh, someone uh, asked me recently hey I have a friend of mine who um, really loves conferences and so she's thinking about organizing conferences on the side it's like a side gig and I wanted to say no 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 this is not (laughs) this is not a side gig type of thing this is like an all-in really stressful really intense type of thing so um, Yeah. yeah overall it's a net love for sure how do you keep up then? I mean, I, I let's go back to your list of the things you do. You do two podcasts. Yes. You got a blog. You got weekly chat. You've got, I'm sure, an active Slack. You've got this conference. What else are you involved in? I know you do Command Line Heroes with Red Hat. Yeah, that's about it. I, and don't you have a couple other podcasts as well? No, those are, it's like I three podcasts. I host three and then we, um, we produce two of the three. But that's basically it. I used to do a lot of speaking. Now I'm kind of calming down on that because I don't have time anymore. <laughs> and traveling just takes up so much time. Uh, but yeah, those are all the things I do. 
So how do you keep up then? I mean, how do you do all these things for a conference? It sounds like you're really in the details. And maybe year one, you had less help and year two, maybe you have more help. Yeah, uh, a lot of spreadsheets. There are so many spreadsheets involved. Oh my goodness. I wish I knew spreadsheets. Abby is amazing at spreadsheets. She's the spreadsheets queen. Um, but it's a lot of spreadsheets and a lot of calendar work. So I live by my calendar. I track literally every waking hour that I have. I put them in a spreadsheet wow. at the end of each month. So I can tell, like, here's how many hours I spent on Codeland. Here's how many hours I spent on the Codenby podcast. And so it's very, very meticulous, very uh, just keeping track of everything I can and trying to use that data to be even more efficient the next time I do it. Interesting. I, one thing I don't do is track myself to that degree. Mm. I give myself hours, right? Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like anybody who works for themselves or runs their own sort of hour-based process. Like I have a family. I like to, you know, so when we go back to what are you optimizing for, I, I optimize for life happiness, you know, life mm -hmm, balance. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm ambitious and I want to achieve goals and, you know, we want to do really well, you know, I have to keep my perspective of like, you know what, if my son has his last day of school, which was yesterday, mm -hmm. and I need to take off the morning, which I did, mm -hmm. you know, but at the last minute, because I'm a, I'm a lack of planner, I didn't know that that was on the calendar. I knew it was his last day, but I didn't, I didn't realize that, yeah. hey, I'm the dad who takes the pictures of this, this last day uh, of school. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go to the school and I participate in his, you know, end of year party. And, you know, that's really important to be there for your kids and to mm -hmm. be there for your family and loved ones. And I, I guess what I'm asking you is, like, I can't track myself to that degree. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? What what makes you, you know, we're different people, obviously. We have different things we're optimizing for. How do you, how did you get to the point where you wanted to track yourself to that point? Yeah. And then hold yourself accountable? So, uh, two, no, a year and a half ago. No, no, no. I think it was two years ago. I was really depressed. I was super, super depressed. Uh, later found out I was actually bipolar. So I had my ups and my downs. Um, but I was super depressed. And to the point where I was crying every day, I was in bed, I couldn't get up, couldn't do any work. Um, I was just really, it was a really, really rough time. And I said to myself, I tried to set these little goals for myself. I said, okay, today, I'm going to get out of bed. That's it. If I can get out of bed, I've won. Uh, today, I'm going to change my clothes. That's it. That's the whole thing. I'm going to get up and make a meal for myself. I'm going to get up and sit at my desk. I'm not going to do any work, but I'm going to sit at my desk. Now I'm going to open my email, see if I can do just like 15 minutes of email. Let's see how that goes. And then slowly but surely, I was able to kind of get back to my regular self because I kept tracking all the activities that I was doing and I could kind of see that a lot of the time I spent being depressed was very, very slowly decreasing. Mm. And I found myself very slowly increasing my productivity and my just, you know, just self-care in general. And so that's where it all started for me. It started from using tracking as a way to feel like I had control over my life and I had control over, like, even though I felt like crap, I could still count hours. Like, if I can right. count hours, I can do anything. And so that, um, it didn't cure my depression at all. Like, I ended up, you know, I'm now on medication and, you know, eating better and exercising and all these other things. But it helped me get to a place where I could more constructively deal with my mental health. And it kind of got me out of that, out of that, like, that hole. And so that's where it started for me. And I kept doing it because it's just really good data. It's really helpful to say, man, I thought I was spending, you know, just a little bit of time on Codeland, but this week it took 30 hours. Why wow. did that happen? Yeah. You know, did that happen because uh, I wasn't being efficient? Did that happen because I just didn't estimate well? You know, where did that come from? But it's also been a really good way for me to practice self-care. I'm a huge workaholic. I'm very bad at self-care. And so my what I'm optimizing for this year is mental 
mental health. So for me, it's, you know, my, my mantra now is if you don't have time to take care of your mental health, you don't have time to do the work. You just don't like, that's it. And so, um, it's been a really good way for me to keep tabs on myself and say, okay, I feel tired. I'm going to take a nap and I can justify that because I can look at my timesheet and go, you've already worked 40 hours this week. That's enough. You don't have to push yourself any further. You can, you can pause now. So it's been a really good way for me to be productive, but more importantly, it's been a, a good way for me to take care of myself. Have you heard of the book Essentialism? I have. I don't know much about it though. So there's a chapter in there that's titled it, and each chapter has a title, and the title is Protect the Asset. Mm-hmm. I wasn't talking in particularly just about mental health. I was talking about sleep, mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. care of you because you can only be you because you are you, right? Yeah. If you're, you're only you and you're the healthiest version of you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And so like this idea, like that, that's what sparked it for me was like I need to work eight, I need to play eight, and I need to sleep eight. That's my optimization. Yeah, and then yep, outside yep. of that, those three eights I'm optimizing for family time and work-life balance like that's all part of the eight but I'm not daily tracking like did I work eight did I play eight did Mm -hmm. I sleep eight but Mm. generally I'm trying to hit those you know I'm not crazy about it but I understand that that's my north star like you'd mentioned before Mm -hmm. what do you think about that idea of protecting the asset I love that idea. I love that a lot. And that's one thing, too, is, um, for example, a good example is two days ago, uh, I was kind of done with my work early. Like, I finished my work, I think, around, like, 4 p.m. And I said to myself, okay, you've done everything that you're supposed to do today. Should you try and squeeze in a couple more hours, you know, right. or or should you just like just pause and just take a like, go watch a movie? You know, you've, you've earned it. Um, and that was a moment for me to say, OK, I know that I can push myself a little bit. Like, I know that I, I could do it, but I'm going to I'm going to not do that. I'm going to stick to my uh, I'm going to protect myself from myself. <laughs> um, I'm going to stick to my um, my goal of like you're done for the day. So just go take a nap, go do whatever. Um, and in doing that. I felt great the next day, right? Like yesterday was a super productive day because I took care of myself the day before. And that's the the thing that is very hard to, at least hard for me to remember is that when you take care of yourself, you're doing future you a favor, you know? Yeah. Like the when I like for example, yesterday I pushed myself maybe a little bit more than I should have and today I'm a little more tired as a result of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Burning the oil as they say, the midnight oil. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the more I take care of myself, the more able I am to do better the next day. So it's not it's not me being lazy or unproductive. It's um, it's me paying it paying it forward yeah. <laughs> to to myself. So yeah. This episode is brought to you by Discover.bot. Learn everything there is to know about bots at discover.bot slash founders talk. Discover.bot was built by Amazon Registry Services as an online community for bot creators and makers of all skill levels to learn from one another, to share stories, and they regularly publish guides and resources to answer questions like how to set up payments to your bot, how to stop shopping cart abandonment, what KPIs are worth measuring, how to write an engaging chat bot dialogue. You can even register .bot domains there. Learn more and explore this huge library of bot resources at Discover talk again talk let me uh, empathize with you a little bit because when you were sharing your list I can't say that there wasn't a time in my life where I didn't have a similar list mm. I had a similar list where I was like brush your teeth like mm-hmm. things that any normal human being that is just i don't know how to describe the word normal in that case but just more like people who do day-to-day activities on the norm you know mm-hmm. like it's, it's not a big deal to them 
for me, I was in a position like that at one point, and I can say that I had a similar list where it was like, get out of bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't recognize it was depression at the time. I was in a like a crisis moment, I suppose, in my life, mm-hmm. and I had to remind myself of the most basic tasks. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. if it wasn't for mm-hmm. that list, honestly, I wouldn't have encouraged myself to get out of that spot. Yep. Yep. It's, it's kind of crazy to just think how that uh, like depression or you know anxiety can really take over somebody's mind. Yes. And oh. transform them from not really the person they are because I'm an ambitious, mm-hmm. outgoing striving person and that moment in my life i was very weak very weak yeah yeah i think that was the most terrifying part of it was just not being able to recognize myself you know and just look Mm. in the mirror and go i don't know who this person is you know i like i'm very similar to you very outgoing very extroverted really hardworking, really determined really passionate and all that was just gone like i had i was just a shell and all that was completely gone and i felt very out of control of my situation and that like to me control is very important and the idea that there was this other thing that was essentially taking over for me was infuriating and very frustrating and so for me my tool of getting that control back was was tracking my time um but yeah i completely i know exactly organization. what you're talking about i like that organization as a tool to get back i mean it, it mm-hmm. again that seems logical right that seems <laughs> logical right like that should have been the first choice but hey it always takes us a while to get there. Yeah. No, you made your list. That's basically the same thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's let's go back to – I want to go back to Colin here in a second, but I want to mm-hmm. ask you, is there anything in regards to the conference that's around mental health since this is something that seems to be on your mind, so to speak? Yeah. So we have uh, we have a talk, actually. Um, I can't remember what the title is, but it's basically the story of one of our speakers and how he dealt with a lot of mental health issues, a lot of depression, um, and how he was able to manage that and navigate that as part of his coding journey. So yeah, we got to talk exactly on that topic. Um, we're working together on crafting that talk and shaping it. And so far, it sounds, um, it's going to be really good. It's going to be super inspirational, really, um, I think, validating for a lot of people who I think are going through that kind of thing um and so i'm i'm super excited about it one of the things honestly that made me a little a little sad is when i was so we had a cfp and when i was reviewing the proposals so many people mentioned depression as part of their coding journey a lot of people said you know like i was in a rough spot um and you know coding either helped me out of it or was a good distraction um and there was a lot a lot of talk about mental health and you know on the one hand it's it's you know it's sad like I don't want people to feel that way but on the other hand I wish we talked about that stuff more you know because I think a lot of people who are suffering by the you know by themselves um will realize that it's not it's not just them and that if other people can manage it you know I've been pretty good at managing it especially in the the last uh few months um it is manageable you know it is doable it might take medication it might take time but you know it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be the end you know uh and so that made me sad but I also uh, I like to talk about mental health because I want to normalize it and I want people to feel like um it's not just them struggling because a lot of people are dealing with it I want to say we agree. As a matter of fact, um, we've been and I, I've been noticing this more and more similar to what you're saying. And I happen to have a friend who's a doctor in clinical psychology. Mm. And I was like, hey, would you would you like to do a podcast with me? Mm. And uh, so we're starting a podcast called Brain Science. It's for the mm-hmm. curious. We're going to explore mm-hmm. the inner workings of the human brain. We want to understand things like we're talking about here, mental health, behavior change, have formation. Uh, this thing we call the human condition, right? It's not just about the brain and what we know about the brain, but it's like, what can we learn? 
about the brain to Mm -hmm. transform our lives. You know, like Mm -hmm. how can we rationalize when we lash out at someone, you know, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. we we don't we're not our best self. You know, let's let's figure out from a, you know, a biological state, you know, why our brain is the way it is and why we think the way we think and potentially Mm -hmm. why we make certain choices, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. That sounds like a great show. Let's go back to Codeland. Um, you were mentioning Abby. You were mentioning organization. Let's dive deep into the organizational process of a conference like this. How many attend? Where is it at? Kind of give me the rough stats, the outer fringes, and kind of go into the how you organize all of it. Sure. So for the last two years, our conference was about 300 people. This year, we are going bigger. We're at 600 to 700 people. So um, we'll be doubling in size. Super excited about that. Um, I'm really excited to have more people there. And the price point is actually lower this year. Our prices, our tickets start at $99. um, And that includes breakfast, lunch, and dinner, after party, uh, complimentary childcare, snacks, um, all that. So really hoping this is a a very affordable ticket for folks, a very affordable conference, very accessible. Um, And it's happening in Skirball, which is on uh, at NYU. It's a beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous theater. Um, it's a it's a very professional theater. Uh, Kevin Hart had one of his comedy specials, Grown Little Man, um, at that place. So it's a very gorgeous, very Kevin professional. <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, so funny. Who doesn't, right? Who doesn't? Who's so funny? Um, and so, uh, yeah, so really pumped about it. It's a one-day conference. It's a mix of talks and workshops. And this year we're going to do an after party with not one, but two VR stations. So we're going to allow people to kind of try that out. So, yeah, really excited about it. VR stations. Mm-hmm. Is that virtual reality? Yes. Okay, yes. just making sure I'm on the same VR here. Yeah, we did it last year, and it was oh, it was such a good hit. It was it was amazing. People had just you never tried it before, and we set it up, and people got to watch it on a big screen, and it right. was just it's. I think the best part about doing VR is watching other people do VR. Um, yes. So it's yeah, it was it was good. It so you was can good lurk time. and be entertained, or you can yeah. do it and be entertained. Exactly. Either way, you win. <laughs> Do they pair up or, you know, is it one person doing the VR by themselves and their it'll own It'll be virtuality? two different people. Yeah, okay. it'll be two people doing their own, their own thing. Yeah, their own little world. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the details of organizing. You mentioned you love spreadsheets. I can only imagine <laughs> the spreadsheets you have for organizing GoLand. And yeah. tell me about Abby. How did you meet Abby? What, you know, who runs this conference? Is it simply you? Is it you and Abby? Like, what are the, what are some of the moving parts here? Yeah, good question. So Abby, I've known for a number of years now. Um, I was we first got connected when I was a speaker at at RubyConf. I think this was five, yeah, five years ago now. And she is the you know she's the point of contact for all conference things. So she and I interacted via email. Then I was uh, on the programming committee for uh, I think it was RailsConf a couple of years back. So we interacted that way. Um, and then when I started Codeland, I got uh, a lot of really great advice from her. I got templates from her where she helped me out and helped me navigate the conference scene um, and was just really great to talk to. And so we'd been kind of acquaintances for a while and worked on some things for a while. And then when I was thinking about doing Codeland again this year, I said to myself, I really need help. They're just, there's just too many things going on and I need to have someone um, who knows what they're doing, who can just jump in and get started. And I thought to myself, oh, it'd be so cool if I could work with Abby. It'd be so much fun mm-hmm. and she'd be so good at it. And so I reached out to her and I said, hey, can I hire you to you know do some contract work and kind of help me with 
all the stuff I don't want to do? <laughs> and she said, yes, because I love the stuff that I hate doing, she loves doing. Wow. So it worked out really well. Those are the best partnerships, honestly. Right? Oh, the best partnerships. And so, and it's funny because I'll ask her to do something. I'll say like, hey, do you mind making a spreadsheet about this? And I feel bad because I hate doing it. And she'll go, yeah, it'll be it'll be awesome. And she does it in like you know 10 minutes. And, and she like loves, loves the things I hate. It's great. But I think her official title with me is a event consultant, I think is like her official title. So she contracts for us. Um, but otherwise, it's like officially produced by Code Newbie. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm like the the conference chair. I think is the official title of that. But it's been great working with her. She works, in, you know, like a, a she puts in like a good ton of time um, into this conference. So yeah, it's been good. So last year's conference was organized by you. Yeah, I had some help. Um, I had a, a woman who was basically like the assistant. She was the um, assistant producer, and so she helped with a bunch of the logistics and stuff. But yeah, it was just the two of us last year. Gosh, I can even imagine like organizing not only all the thoughtful things you want to do, right, but the necessary things, like the things that people take yeah. for granted almost. Like, yeah. oh, there's coffee and water at the breaks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or yeah. I have, like you said before, I have a hotel room to stay in tonight for speakers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How do you, what, what did you go through? I mean, I think you mentioned before the list that you've kind of made over the years of attending conferences and speaking at conferences, but... Like, what are some of the things that were very specific that you wanted to make sure that you had involved? Sure. So the good thing is the first two years we were located at Microsoft. So Microsoft was our venue sponsor. And that made things a lot easier because, frankly, there there weren't many options of what we could do with the conference. So, for example, they had all their AV already laid out. They had a person for that. They had their conference room set up. Mm -hmm. um, they had their you know in-house catering team. So a lot of things we just kind of had to agree to what they were doing. So it made conference organizing a lot easier because I didn't have to bring in chairs, for example. That's one thing that blew my mind. We were thinking about doing <laughs> Codeland in um, in SF. Uh, this was like last year, I think. And so I went to a bunch of different venues, and there were so many venues that is just literally one big room. That's it. You get no projector, you get no chairs, you get no tables, you get nothing. And you have wow. to bring in everything yourself. So um, I felt very, very lucky that I didn't have to do any of that. And I could go to a place where a lot of that was already set up for me. So that was that was hugely helpful. And then I could focus on the, the conference experience versus worrying about the conference venue. This year is different because we are at a different venue. So now we do have to worry about some of that stuff a little bit more. But it all starts, frankly, with the calendar. It all starts with just mapping out, you know, on a high level, here are the goals for each um, month, roughly, you know, from the moment you book the venue to the conference date itself. Mm -hmm. Within each month, here are the different, um, there's almost like different tracks, right? There's the CFP track that includes uh, creating the CFP, publicizing it, having it open, reviewing it, making the final selection, and then working, and then uh, booking initial like uh, speaker agreements and all that with speakers. That's like one one track. Mm -hmm. And then um, overlapping some of that is ticket sales, right? So is there going to be an early bird? Is there going to be a pre-sale? Um, is there going to be a regular registration, late registration? And then that kind of, there's a timeline specifically for that. There is uh, vendors or it's like a whole separate project. So um, what kind of equipment do we need? What kind of vendors do we need to book? When do they need um, final numbers by? When do we need to put in final orders by? How are we going to get it shipped? How Oh, shipping is like a whole other, whole other project. Um, where do we ship it to? Where do we store it? How do we get access to it? There's, um, you know, once the CFP is over, 
There's the working with speakers track. There's, um, you know, how do you do the initial kickoff call? So I, I do three touch points with every speaker. So we go through the talk outline together. Then we go through the, the slides together. And then we do a, a rehearsal together. So there's a, you know, a period where we do like one week of initial calls, one week of slides, one week of rehearsals. And then, um, and then that's kind of it for the speaker track. So there are all these kind of different tracks that need to be mapped out on the calendar. So yeah. when Abby and I meet every Monday, we start off by doing a calendar check by saying, okay, how, you know, what does the calendar look like for the next 30 days? Is there anything we need to move? Is there anything we forgot about? And as we move month to month, the details become a little bit more obvious. You know, we realize that in order to do the speaker, uh, the speaker calls first, we need to make sure the spreadsheet is updated with all the speaker info. We need to make sure the speaker's info is on the website. So a lot of those little details show up once you're a little bit closer to them. There's so many details in there. And as you're making this list, I'm just thinking like how I would personally get lost in the details, <laughs> which is why I haven't made a conference yet. You know, Cause it's like, it's so daunting to me. Like I want to do it and I aspire to do it at some point and we will do it. You should do it. Change law conference. Uh, something. We've got some yeah. ideas. Change it's, conf. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, who knows? I don't know if it's about change conf, but you know, it, I feel like I would get lost in the details. I don't know how you do it. I'm just, I'm in awe. Just in awe. Yeah. I mean, the, the good thing is I'm, frankly, I, it may look like I'm good at details, but I'm, I'm actually not. And so I compensate for it by taking a ton of notes. That's my way of doing things, you know, because I know like Abby is an incredibly detail-oriented person. She is really good at remembering all the little things and being on top of things. And that's like, I'm much better at big picture stuff. And so in order to make sure I don't get in my way, I document absolutely everything. I will repeat myself a hundred times. I will confirm and reconfirm and I will set up, you know, I, I kind of created a system that won't let me mess up <laughs> because wow. it's not my, like, it's not my natural strength, you know? Right. Well, I think, you know, now it makes more sense because you've got such a rigorous method to hold yourself accountable on a daily yeah. in terms of how you spend your hours. Yep. That seems like for you in particular, the only way you can be successful in a day to day because yes. of how much you have going on. Yeah, um, it got to a point where I don't, I used to do a separate to-do list on a piece of paper, um, but I kept forgetting to do things on my to-do list. So now I use my calendar as my to-do list and as my time tracker. So if you ask me to do anything, we won't finish, like I won't end the call until it's on my calendar to put, to do at some point in the mm. future. And if that to-do list moves, that's fine. Like that task can move around, but it needs to be documented on the calendar. Otherwise it's not real and it won't happen. So it's just being, um, you know, more than being organized, it's being very aware of the things that I keep messing up and doing my best to revisit my systems and compensate for those and make sure they don't happen again. I bet when, when we were scheduling this, I said, hey, I'll follow up in a bit with a calendar, but you're like, yes. Yeah, I was. Adam's my dude. <laughs> I was so excited about that. <laughs> like, I can't wait to get it so I can say yes to it and it goes in my calendar. <laughs> yeah. But in the meantime, I'm putting my own there. That's exactly what happened. That's right. <laughs> I said, okay, I'm going to put a hold in this spot. And then once I get the calendar invite, I will move my right. home. So yes, nailed it. That's why I asked him, like, can we reserve the spot? Because I had something competing for this time. Mm. And I was and like, let, I me, let me reserve it with you. Because I, I can tell that based on how you were corresponding that like you were very clear with, you know, your time frames and stuff. I'm yes. like, you know what? I'm going to respect that. I get that because I'm like that too. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that mode with somebody, you have to give certain people feedback, which almost leads mm. into the feedback loop of a conference really of yeah. like how you organize this thing because people come there and expect certain things. Yeah. And there's this likability to a conference, this relatability to a conference and potentially even this 
I don't know if, if invitability is a word or not, but this feeling of being welcomed, right? Like yeah. you want to have a place where you can go and be. And that's what I want to do for you. I, like, I want I want to mm-hmm. make sure you know you're invited for one. I can tell you'd probably appreciate a calendar invite. Plus yeah. it just it solidifies things. So I'm yep. sure that was music to your ears. But absolutely. Let's talk about just that, being invitational, being inclusive. Let's walk through some of the things in particular that you've done with this conference to be inclusive to newbies. Who are we trying to be inclusive to? What does that mean to you? We are being inclusive to new programmers, people who are learning to code, and also people who are first-time conference goers. For us, Codeland is usually the first conference mm-hmm. people have gone to, the first tech conference anyway. And um, tech conferences can be can be very intimidating. They can be kind of Honestly, they can be a little clicky, you know, like they're, and even when I go to conferences, there are people right. I look forward to, to seeing every time, which kind of means there's a, a clickiness to it. Not, not in a, you know, not in a, in a mean way, but just kind of the reality of the situation. And so we wanted to make sure that whether it was your first time, your second time, whether you knew people or you didn't, that you were going to have a good time and you're going to be able to follow along. I think with a tech conference, it is so easy to get lost. It's easy mm. to get lost um, during the talks themselves. It's easy to get lost throughout the flow of the conference. When you're um, trying to eat, it's easy to kind of not know where, literally where to sit, who to sit with, that sort of thing. And so we did a couple things very intentionally to um, to avoid that feeling of, of being lost. Because when you feel lost, you don't feel welcome anymore. Yeah. And so one of the things that we did is we have an MC. I think all conferences should have an MC. There should be a person who's essentially your tour guide, right? They're literally your guide from the beginning of the conference when you first get there and they're walking you through every single step of it. They're providing that cohesion. They're providing that overall, that overarching narrative. Um, I think that is super, super important. So we have a guy, Nikhil Paul, uh, who's an amazing MC. He does a bunch of workshops and events and conferences. And he uh, does a great job of just saying, getting people pumped, of saying, you know, welcome, this is wonderful, so excited you're here, and reiterating that in between every talk. He does these dance breaks, these Bollywood dance breaks that are just so much fun, gets people energized and pumped. Um, he has these little jokes, and he he just does a great job of keeping that energy and that message consistent mm-hmm. um, throughout the conference. So that's a big part of making sure people don't feel lost. The other thing we do that I'm probably most proud of is we put together this conference booklet, and it is the it is more than just a conference program. It's a whole booklet. It's uh, I think last year it was 100 pages, and it is a it includes cheat sheets for every single talk and workshop that. We we do. So every talk, uh, every speaker has to submit a list of key terms and definitions, and they also have to submit a list of um, resources. So if I'm sitting at your talk and you're doing a talk on React, in your cheat sheet, you might include the definition of React, like what is React? Where might I learn more about it? What is JavaScript? How, where would I learn more about it? What are components? You know, it lists all the things that you might bring up in your talk so that while I'm listening to your talk, if you mention a word that I'm not familiar with, or maybe you forgot to define it, I can look down, yeah. I can see, you know, what this is all about, and I can keep following the conversation. And so we have that for all of our talks, all of our workshops, and it's been a wonderful way of saying, you know, we're not going to lose you, and we're not going to let you get lost here Here's literally, you know, the tools that you need to follow along every single part of the conference. I love that. I mean, uh, the MC being the person leading things in terms of like a face, the empathetic side of things, you know, connecting with somebody, a relationship. Yep. And then this idea of this booklet. I mean, I would have, when you said 100 pages, I was like, what? That's a <laughs> lot of pages. But, you know, with the detail you're putting in there, it makes sense. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a guide for somebody to sit down every talk and not feel lost yep, and exactly. have some map to to following along whose idea was that 
That was my idea. So uh, the story behind that was um, I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. I'm okay. not a Jehovah's Witness um, you know, anymore. I don't practice or anything, but I was raised that way. And um, the way Jehovah's Witnesses do Bible studies, and uh, they don't call it church, they call it Kingdom Hall, is you're always following along in a book. Always, whether the book is a Bible or it's a different, you know, a different type of book. When the, you know, when the um, the elder, they call it elders, not priests or anything. When the elder is speaking, when they are explaining anything, you always have a scripture to reference. You always have a paragraph to reference. So it's a very active sort of learning. You're not just kind of sitting there and getting, um, you know, emotionally excited. You are also like learning. You're learning. You're reading. You're like studying something. And that always stuck with me. I always appreciated the fact that it wasn't just kind of accepting information. Information. It was being a part of, you know, an active member of that. And so that's where I got the idea from. I said, when people are listening to a talk, I want them to have that same active learning experience. I'm also personally very bad at attending a conference and just sitting still. Like I have to fiddle with something. I'm usually like doodling or doing like something with myself, um, something active. And so I said to myself, giving people something to do, you know, whether it's taking notes. And there's a note section actually for every talk as well. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. So you can take notes, you can highlight stuff, you can follow along. So that to me felt like just a great tool for people to have. Let me share maybe a, a bad side of me then because <laughs> while I love the note section, uh-huh. I'm the kind of person who would want who would not want to destroy the beautiful book you made <laughs> and I wouldn't write in it. But that's me. That's I would fair. I would probably then open my phone and take notes digitally. Yeah, that's just that's okay. I'm not saying that's a good way but <laughs> anyways. Uh, I, I love that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Rollbar. Move fast and fix things like we do here at Changelog. Check them out at rollbar.com slash changelog. Resolve your errors of minutes into public confidence. Catch your errors in your software before your users do. And if you're not using Rollbar yet or you haven't tried it yet, they want to give you $100 to donate to open source via Open Collective. And all you got to do is go to rollbar.com slash changelog, sign up, integrate Rollbar into your app. And once you do that, they'll give you $100 to donate to open source. Once again, rollbar.com slash changelog. Can we, um, can we talk about the business side of this oh, yeah. a little bit? I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of risk, I would say maybe now you're you're three years in, right? Is that right? That I... It's our third year. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I was thinking two for a bit there. So if I said two, that's why. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it was just two years. Now it's three years. My bad. No problem. You know, running a conference is a lot of risk, right? You've got to put all these rooms up, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's probably a, a gigantic balance. You're just like chiseling away at to eventually get to zero yeah. or, <laughs> you know, get to a larger number. Yeah. Meaning if you're counting down to where you're trying to get back to where you're, um, yeah. you know what I'm trying to say in mm-hmm, terms of balancing mm-hmm. things. Let's talk about the financials. So you got Code Newbie, you got yeah. you got Code Land, you've got like how do you do what you do and not have to work somewhere else and make money? Mm-hmm. Like how do you make money and and run this conference and make it sustainable? Yeah, so sustainability is um, very, very important. When it comes to the business side, I'm always optimizing for sustainability. I'm not a conference organizer that will do anything for a conference. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go into debt. I'm not gonna go into credit card debt. I'm not going to, um, you know, I'm not gonna put myself in financial risk if I can help it. And so right from the beginning, 
our goal. So the the advice I got from other conference organizers is to make sure that ticket sales cover the cost of the conference, and then to have sponsors give you、um, give you profit. So that was always the model: was making sure the ticket prices could, assuming you know you you sell out or come close to selling out,、um, making sure that covers your cost. And so that's how we were able to price the tickets. But that's also why we were very intentional about how we spend our dollars. So the biggest、um, cost for us. Besides food, is probably speakers like covering speaker costs.、Uh, that to me is non-negotiable. I think it is ridiculous to have a speaker、yeah. speak at your conference and then have to pay their way to get there. That doesn't make any sense. So、um, we pay for all of our speakers' travel, and we have a speaker budget for that.、Um, and then the other thing that you do is we kind of cut out. The stuff that like doesn't really matter.、Um, a lot of conferences do T-shirts. I don't think T-shirts are very important.、Um, I think that paying, you know, what is it, thirty, thirty-five bucks a shirt is not that valuable to attendees. Most people, you know, they have so many conference T-shirts that it's not, it's not valuable. You know, it doesn't do anything. So we're not going to do that.、Um, swag bags. We have swag bags mostly from like sponsors,、uh, you know, giving stuff, but. Our swag bags are from ToteBags.com. I mean, they are the most generic, you know, one color solid tote bags that we can find. We don't do like branded lanyards, any of that stuff. So we're very intentional about how we spend our dollars and making sure we spend money in a way that actually makes the conference experience exciting and creates a and creates an impact in that way.、Um, and so just being very cognizant and very frugal has been、uh, super important. This year it's different because we have venue costs. We have two venues because we need to. Venue for the workshop and a venue for the talks. That means that,、uh, and frankly, we can't like raise our prices that much because we're going for people who aren't developers yet, right? We're going for people who、right. want to become developers, and so we want to make sure it's still financially accessible. So this year is definitely more financially、uh, risky compared to the last two years because、um, it's a one-day conference instead of a two-day conference, primarily for financial reasons.、Um, because if we did a two-day conference, we'd have to charge like. Three hundred bucks for a ticket, which is just way too much money. Yeah. And so this year,、um, I said to myself, I really want, I want it to stay affordable. I don't want to increase the prices because our costs have increased. So we're basically taking a hit on that. We're saying we're trusting that the sponsors will come in and help us bridge that gap、um, and help us stay sustainable. But you know, to give you an idea, I think our ticket prices now range from ninety nine to one hundred sixty nine bucks, depending on、um, you know different. There's different tiers and stuff.、Um, the Conference that the cost per person is about I think like two twenty for someone to actually attend like that's how much it costs us to put it on so tickets do not cover the cost of the conference anymore but、um, hopefully and the way sponsorships are working out I think we're gonna I think we're gonna be okay but that's definitely a risk that we're taking this year yeah yeah what's interesting about how you laid that out was that、uh, and and maybe something that is easily read between the lines it seems like you're willing to give up a little bit of your profit to enable This conference to be in the location it is and have the venue spaces it does. So you're you're actually taking a hit on your side in terms、mm-hmm. of like profitability and just、yeah. personal financial gain when it comes to either sustaining or running or you know enjoying your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which I, I think that's pretty cool.、Mm-hmm. I mean, not cool that you have to do it, but cool that you're willing. Yeah, definitely. Like I want.、Um, I don't think it makes sense to do a conference that is. So expensive that it doesn't reach your demographic. You know, I think that it's really important. Like, if you're、yeah. going to make it for the people, you have to do it、um, in a way that invites people and makes it very accessible and inclusive. And so,、um, you know, there's kind of 
there are certain things that we're just not willing to compromise on. And so ticket price was one of them. We're, co- we're willing to compromise on the schedule, right? The fact that we went from two days to one day helps. But overall, um, there's, a, there's always a balance to strike between um, the financial risk you're willing to take and then making sure it's really accessible. And hopefully, if we did things right, then we've done a good job with that balance. In what way do you allow the sponsors or vendors to participate? Like, do they have lightning talks? Do they have expo hall? Like, what are some of the common components there when it comes to, as you said, tickets cover roughly cost? In this case, this year, it's a little shallow of that uh, or a little short of it. And then the vendors and or sponsors are where your profit margins come in. How does that break down in terms of like what they do, what they what they get with for, for whatever they give you? Yeah. Good question. So they um, they factor in or they participate in three different ways. Number one is definitely the expo hall. So we have an expo hall for folks to get a nice big table and interact with people, have signups, have giveaways. Basically, whatever they want to do with that space is totally fine with us. Um, a second way is we do have, I think for our, only our top tier sponsors, we do give them time on stage, but it's time that we work with them to make sure it doesn't suck and to make sure that it's actually good and interesting. So to give you an idea, last year, um, GitHub was our top sponsor. And so they did uh, these, they had these three little breaks in between talks where they did um, a rap, like a, a, like a little bit of rap about, uh, I think it was like Ruby or something. They did a poem <laughs> and then they awesome. did like a short story. So that was something we worked together on and it was like a fun little break. Um, it wasn't a very good rap song. So it, you know, it was funny <laughs> to kind of, to kind of watch <laughs> and be a part of that. Um, so at the end of the day, sponsors are wonderful. Literally couldn't do it without them, but we want to make sure it doesn't feel like a sponsored conference in that way. So we're very particular about the content we'll allow and all that. And the third way is to workshop. So So about half our workshops are sponsored workshops, and that is probably the most authentic and the most high-impact way of engaging with the audience because you're literally teaching them, right? It's not an ad. It's not a promo. It's I am sharing education with you. I'm giving you education. I'm sharing something with you. I'm helping you build something that you didn't know how to build. So it's a very authentic way that works for both sides. It doesn't feel compromised. Um, and similarly to the the time on stage, we work directly with each sponsor. We make sure that the conference uh, workshop makes sense, that it's the right level, that it's the right schedule, tempo, all that stuff. So those are the three ways that uh, sponsors are, are engaged. Give me an example of a workshop then. So if it's a sponsored workshop or, or something like that, is that – is this something where, like, say, Gatsby might come in and say, getting started with Gatsby? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great example of it. Um, another one is uh, Etsy did a workshop on object-oriented programming. And so they said, like, hey, we're going to use, I think they used Ruby. Um, we're going to use Ruby to understand what this is all about, why it makes sense, um, how you can use it in your projects. So they did uh, They did one on that. Um, we also had, like, intro to WordPress, which is, like, literally what it sounds like. What is WordPress? How do you build a theme for it? Um, what does that look like? How does it feel to work on it? Um, things like that. MongoDB is another sponsored one where it was intro to MongoDB. Here's how you set up, um, how to set up that and what that looks like. And it's a very organic, if I'm interested in, and actually MongoDB was, I think, our most popular workshop where people genuinely wanted to know how to use it. Um, And so, yeah, it creates like a really nice organic way for people to engage and people to get value from it. So if someone who wanted to uh, produce conferences on the side came to you for advice, what would you say to them? (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) That's kind of a joke from earlier, but yeah. Give some advice to, to would-be conference organizers out there. Like, you know, should they do it? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, beware. Mm-hmm. Right? What, what kind of what, – what are, like, the hit list items that you kind of go through to to say, you know, pay attention to this, pay attention to that? I know yeah. we kind of went through a lot of it, but kind of hit the ones that are sort of 
most important to you? Yeah. Um, There are two things. So the first is to think about the money as soon as you can. Don't tell anyone you're doing a conference. Don't don't promote it. Don't share it until you figure out your finances. So figuring out what does that budget look like? How much money are you willing to spend? um, What does the cash flow look like? Right. Because a lot of the the sponsor dollars may not come in until after the conference is over. But you might have to pay. Like, for example, for us, we have to pay um, the first half, like a deposit on our venue. We had to pay that like months ago before we had any right. ticket sales, anything come in. So are you okay being out several thousand dollars before the money comes in? Like what happens to your personal finances when, you know, when the cash flow is kind of off? So I would have a very honest conversation about money first. And then second is, um, try and get that first sponsor before you announce anything. So, um, and figure out like how hard is it to get that first sponsor? If you can't get the first sponsor, assume that all the other sponsors will be a lot harder to get. So before you make it public, before you announce anything, figure out what the financial risk is going to be and then figure out who your first sponsor would be and how much you can get from that. Um, those are the two things I would focus on. Wow. You make it seem so practical. I, I kind of want to start <laughs> organizing a conference uh, as soon as we're done with this call. If you do, like I'm here for you. I'll <laughs> guide you through. I'll give you all my templates. I feel so bad. We haven't been to Codeland and I, I don't <gasps> know why. Well, you have a chance to change that. <sighs> I love New York City, by the way. There you go. The problem See? is, is as planning for this call, I was like, you know what? I want to support Saran as well. I want to be there. But that's the worst week <laughs> for me. My daughter comes into vacation. town. So I, mm. My daughter doesn't live with me all year long, so I get her for the summertime. Uh, yeah. And uh, and those six weeks I get her mm. is like so precious to me. So I, yeah. I like, you know, I lock down in terms of like external things. I don't travel. Now, yeah. Uh, it might be interesting to take her with me. We have on-site childcare. Well, she's 15. I think oh, she, okay, okay. but I don't know if I could trust her by herself in New York city, but yeah. anyways, the whole <laughs> different story. The point is, is that, you know, it could be a fun, you know, workation with her. Yeah. Um, maybe not. I don't know. I just try to lock down, but that's why, you know, I may not make it this year, but I do want to support you. And, and we, we, we have support. I'm sure we've tweeted about it and, you, you know, at least for the sidelines cheered, but have not been there ourselves. So we apologize for that. That's okay. Well, that's the thing. We have um, a pay it forward ticket that we established specifically for folks who can't make it or Do maybe we? it's just not a good fit for them. Really? Yeah, we have a pay it forward ticket. And so the idea is we have an opportunity scholarship that allows folks to attend the conference who otherwise couldn't financially afford to. And so um, what we've done is we've set up a ticket called pay it forward. And it basically helps buy a ticket for one of our opportunity scholars. So it's a great fit for folks um, and companies who want to support but maybe um you know it's just not a good fit not a good time whatever the reason is but who want to play a role in helping other people get there so yeah pay it forward well i'm gonna take a curveball here because i I wasn't planning on doing this but since you mentioned it i had no (laughs) idea you could do this yeah how about this we'll buy five tickets for people we'll we'll buy five pivot forward tickets and as soon as we're done with this call, make sure we take that, take care of that. Thank you. And we'll get, and we give you credit for that too. So you'll be on our wall of amazing. We just uh, want people to be there. Amazing opportunity. If we can't be, we want others to be there. So thank you. That's very kind of you. Very. That's generous. awesome that you have this too. Is that your idea? Is that something you kind of borrow from somebody? Where is this from? Yeah, so this came from uh, RubyConf and RailsConf. They have an opportunity scholarship. Um, I think theirs is more focused around underrepresented minorities so much. Ours is more about like financial accessibility. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same idea where they give uh, they give a, a free ticket for folks who want to attend but um, but may not be able to for whatever reason. And so, yeah, we totally stole that from them. Um, I think the big difference is, depending on funds, we also cover travel. So we've covered like bus tickets, hotel nights, that sort of thing in the past. So depending on how much we raise uh, this year, hopefully we'll be able to do that again awesome i love that let's uh 
as we're tailing off here, let's let's talk about some lessons learned. I know we've sort of talked through a lot of things, mm-hmm. but is there any particular as you look back over either Code Newbie, starting a podcast, uh, interfacing, you know, with your partner in Base CS, which I forgot her name. I'm so sorry. Vadi Joshi. Vadi Joshi. Um, talk about some lessons learned there. Like, what are some of the biggest things you think you overcame to get to where you're at? What are some sort of like big advices you can give around the things you've accomplished? Yeah, um, there are two things. Number one, I think it's really important to do everything yourself the first time. So mm. with the conference, yeah, with the conference, actually with everything, with the podcast too, um, I got a lot of advice that said like, hey, you should get a team together, get a team of, you know, even if it's just volunteers, get a team, put it, you know, get people uh, together, do it, you know, with a right. group of people. Um, and I ignored that advice. And I said, I'm going to do everything myself because I wanted to really understand what it meant to put on a conference. I wanted to know how every part felt. I wanted to know what worked, what didn't work. And I felt like, you know, I had a very specific vision for the conference and I before doing it, I didn't know what would affect that vision, either positively or negatively. So it was really important for me to do everything and kind of see how the hotel we picked played a role in the conference or mm. the vision of the conference. How did yeah. the food we pick, um, how did that you know, inform the, the vision of the conference, how to impact that? And so I really needed to be involved in every single part of it so that I could tie it back to the vision. Now that I've done that, now I know what I can outsource, right? Like now I know, okay, as long as the hotel has these three things, I don't need to worry about the hotel. I can have someone book it. I don't need to do that anymore. Um, As long as the speaker agreement generally has these five things, I don't need to write the speaker agreements. I can have someone else do that. So now that I know that, I can do a much more effective job of, um, you know, getting help and getting other people to do things and being able to do things more efficiently. Um, Same thing with the podcast. The first time, you know, we did the podcast, I, uh, you know, I did all the testing for it. When we decided we wanted to upgrade our equipment, I bought, I think it was like six or seven mics. I did over 150 audio tests and I uh, made a spreadsheet of <laughs> all the different like variables yes. that went into the mic and into the sound, uh, and then finally ended up picking the mic that we have now. And I, you know, I needed to go through that process of really understanding how things were going to sound so that I could really get like a feel for it and really know what I was optimizing for. And um, and it would have been really hard if I had just. I don't know, hire an audio engineer, just randomly pick a mic for me. So I think it's really important to do things, to do things you've never done before, to do them fully yourself and then outsource. And then the other thing is I think focusing is super important. I think I'm really bad at focusing. I'm kind of, as as you mentioned with all the things I do, uh, you mentioned that earlier, I do a lot of stuff and I do them at the same time and it's really hard for me to focus. But within each thing, I focus enough so that I can create a process and a system around it. So when I was doing the mic testing, I spent, I think it was a month doing basically nothing but mic testing. And that's all I did. And I focused 100% on that. And out of that came a decision and a process that I can now use without really thinking hard about it, you know? Um, same thing with the the conference. You know, when we were doing the booklet, I spent, I think it was like a week or two, doing basically nothing but the booklet and focusing 100% on just the booklet. And then afterwards, we had a template that we can now use for the, the other years of the conference. So I think finding like pockets of focus, um, Cal Newport, you know, calls that like deep work from his book, Deep work. Yes. Um, love that finding book. the yeah, like finding these pockets, these moments where you can just go all in on something, especially if it's something you haven't done before. I think is super important. Yeah, I think people undervalue the uh, flow, deep work, that whole process yeah. of like getting lost in yeah the details of this 
you know, sort of creative endeavor. It's so hard to find it. It is. Gosh. Yeah, it's so hard to find like the because it just everything feels urgent all the time, especially when it comes in the form of an email. <laughs> you know, it feels like you need to respond to someone all the time. And so right. it's hard to just say, like, let's just take a day and we're going to do this one thing just for the day. It's tough. Focus. Um, I'm glad you say that because actually from this show, doing this show, I learned that same lesson mm. uh, several years ago. And I learned how important focus was because you can't – I'd rather do one thing really well than six things mediocre. Yep, is absolutely. What, is the lesson I learned basically. Mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. seems like that's the exact same advice you're giving here. Yeah, 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 exactly. So what's on the horizon for you then? Is there anything that's unknown that you can share today? I, I know this is sort of a unexpected potentially question for you. Is there anything mm-hmm. that people don't know about what you're doing, what you have coming up? Any announcements? Is there like early bird ticket sales? What What is unknown out there that might be something you can talk through here real quick? Yeah. Um, so as far as projects, we're just focused on doing what we've been doing and trying not to add anything because <laughs> there are so many ideas that I have, so many things that I want to do that I'd love to get to. And I just need to just stop myself constantly and go, nope, you're already doing enough. Just do the things you're doing well. So right now we're focusing on just doing what we're doing and doing it better and more efficiently. Um, but as far as Codeland goes, tickets are available um, now through July 22nd, but tickets will go up. Prices will go up on June 22nd. So make sure to get your tickets prior to that. Um, and if you can't go or don't want to go, which you should want to go, but if you don't want to go, you can always help someone else get there through the paid forward ticket. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's about it. Anything coming up for Command Line Heroes? Got another season coming up? Yes, we do have season three. I love that show, by the way. Isn't it so good? Oh, mm-hmm. it's, it's so much fun to, to do that. Thank you. You do a great job. I'm, I was uh, I was really, really impressed with, uh, not that I'm not impressed otherwise, but you did that show really, really well. You were, <laughs> you were the you. perfect host for it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. It was a lot of fun. And it's fun because... Um, because I'm a podcaster and a technologist, I'm able to kind of, you know, uh, give advice on both ends. So we have a great production team. It's actually a pretty big team that works on it. But it's been, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to do. Uh, but yeah, but we're working on season three, actively working on season three. Uh, and that should be coming out, I think, I want to say in like a, a couple months, maybe like a month or two, it should be coming out. So really? uh, yeah, nice. look out for that. Mm-hmm. Well, Saran, it's been uh, it's been a blast talking through Code Newbie, Code Land. All the things you do, uh, I really appreciate you sharing the advice you've given and then also for being vulnerable with sharing some of the things you've gone through and how you've, you know, you've come back from really down times in your life. And, and that's that's uh, something that's not always easy to share yeah. with the general public. I don't know how often you do that, but that's super cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of like it took me a year to accept it. You know, it took me a year to say like, oh, this is a thing that you need to address. Like you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't just like weightlift your way through this, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, So it took a while and it took a while for me to like accept that, um, that it's not my fault, you know, and to accept that like it doesn't, taking medication doesn't make me weak, you know? Um, And there was so much, there were so many psychological blockers to it that uh, really surprised me. Like it really surprised me that it took me a year to get there. Um, But now that I feel like I've accepted it and I'm comfortable with it and I'm able to deal with it productively. Now I feel comfortable sharing it. So um, thank you for giving me the platform to do so. Yeah. And I, I want to encourage you too on the mental health front, if ever you're doing in that space around podcasts or around the conference, I know you mentioned one of the talks there being a part of it. I'd love to find a way to, to cross over again. We love mm. working with you. It's always yeah. fun. And we seem to have similar spirits in terms of keeping our fellow developers healthy. Yes, you know, Especially absolutely. from a mental state. That's that's important to us as well. Health is number one, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Saran, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
All right. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Founders Talk. If you enjoyed this show, do me a favor. Go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, whatever you're using. Favorite it. Leave us a rating or review. If you tweet, tweet a link to a friend. And of course, thank you to DigitalOcean and Discover.bot for sponsoring the show. Also, thanks to Fastly, our bandwidth partner. Head to Fastly.com to learn more. And we're able to move fast and fix things around here at ChangeLog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash ChangeLog. Support this show. Music is by the one and only Breakmaster Cylinder. And if you want to hear more shows like this, subscribe to our master feed. It's awesome. Check it out at ChangeLog.com slash master. Or go to your podcast app and search for ChangeLog Master. You'll find it. Subscribe, get all of our shows in one single feed, as well as some extras that only hit the master feed. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you again soon. Because you've stuck in to the end of the show, here's a preview of Brain Science, our upcoming podcast coming out very soon. The easiest way to subscribe is to subscribe to our master feed at thechangelog.com slash master. Get all of our podcasts in one single feed, plus some extras that only hit the master feed, including Brain Science. Brain Science is a podcast for the curious. We're exploring the inner workings of the human brain so we can understand things like behavior change, habit formation mental health, and this thing we call the human condition. It's hosted by myself, Adam Stachowiak, and Muriel Reese, a doctor in clinical psychology. It's brain science applied, not just how does the brain work, but how do we apply what we know about the brain to better our lives? Here we go. As humans, one of the things that separate us from any other animal out there is the fact that we have language, we have words. And we have super powerful words that truly change how we feel and how we make other people feel. If the words we say have so much potential to influence ourselves and the world around us, how do we begin to understand the power of words? So words really are the thing that separates us from all other animals. Because, right, sharks, bats, dogs, lizards, they don't talk. And this is really critical when it comes to managing our moods and our feelings. One of the things um, that I sort of talk about, or even I mentioned earlier about the way in which we file things in our mind according to feelings, this is exactly how we differentiate it too. Thinking about uh, an example like with professional athletes, they you might say that they get anxious like before a mm-hmm. race or before you know uh, a run or a dive. But using that word, it, it's not really a threat, right? But their their brain would be like, oh, I'm nervous, and now I start this whole sequence of events in my body. Whereas if I just change the word to like, I'm anticipating or I'm excited, it creates a different sort of rollout of emotions as well as physiological responses. I mean, I'm anxious about going to Disneyland is not usually what we say, right? I'm excited. Exactly. Exactly. So it then puts a lid on or files things differently in our mind, which then changes how we feel about it. 
So in my field, in psychology, I would say, we always say name it to tame it. The better I can name different feelings, the more I can tame whatever emotion that is. And so then I'm not really stuck living in this sort of mammal and reptile lane where I'm always just flipping my lid, I'm reactive, I'm angry, or I'm sad. But rather I can go, I recognize this is how I'm feeling, or like I'm, I'm afraid of some other threat, like losing my job. And I can go, you know what, here's the words I can use to talk to myself about that fear so that I'm not just stuck feeling afraid of a possible threat, which has never occurred yet. You use this concept too to, to say customized thinking. I'm not sure I fully understand what you mean by customized thinking. What do you mean by that? Well, because we are human, we do have the power of choice, which is super powerful. Like nobody has to tell you how you need to think or how you need to feel, right? And like your version of success might be very different than mine, which is going to impact my my choices and the direction I'm headed. And so when you think about customized, right? I mean, you can customize a car, you can customize your order at a restaurant. Like it really is tailored specifically to you and going, how do I want to think and how do I want to feel? One example I consider is I want to always, I want every day of the week to feel like I do on the weekend. Because to me, the weekend feels great. I'm with my family. I don't, I'm not sort of running things with such a tight timeline. And there's just a different sort of ethereal vibe to the weekend. Right. And I think, why does that only have to exist on the weekend? Yeah. Well, I want that every day. Why is that? I want that every day too. <laughs> well, and I think part of it is really our attitude and our expectations. I mean, there are legitimate threats all around us, but it doesn't help me do me or do my life any better if I am only focused on threats. So I want to practice changing the channel in my mind that says, hey, yeah, I see that potential job loss, but I also see I'm with my family right now. And right now, Nobody can take sort of what I've been through and how I feel away from me. I'm in charge of how I feel. So I'm going to do things that actually contribute to feeling better. So how how do we apply this name entertainment idea to this model then? Because maybe if you name the week, the weekend, can you change how you feel about it? Because that's really what it's about. It's like, how do we take, you know, the labels we apply things to things the names we give things, the words we use, the choices, what I think we might call nuance. I'm not really sure how you, how, how you put that into play with the power of words, but the difference between, like you said before, being anxious or being excited, you know, fundamentally, it's almost the same feeling, but, you know, from a nuance level, it's very different. You know, it's, it's one direction or the other of excitement, you know, negative excitement potentially or positive excitement. How do we apply that to customized thinking? Well, I think that's a great way to say it, Adam. I really like that nuance because what we're looking for, even as I talk about the different brains, we want a symphony. I mean, I'm not going to fire the woodwind section because I don't like a violin, right? So I don't want to fire a certain part of my brain like, you're not really helpful. I don't need to see that. But what we need is a sense of congruence. And so, sure, not every day of the week can feel exactly like the weekend. So I'm not going to say this is how I feel, but 
I have to actually believe it for it to impact my mind, my brain, and my body in the way in which I desire it to. And so I might use the words like, I strive for every day to have a feeling that reminds me of exactly how I feel on the weekend so that I don't lose sight that like every day really is a gift and I get to enjoy every day of my life to some degree. And so another example might be I'm living out in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of people have negative feelings about the weather. Imagine that. (laughs) But so if someone were to say that they just need to learn to love it, that's going to create what we call cognitive dissonance. It doesn't fit. So it doesn't matter how much I'm like, oh, I I do love the gray. I do love the clouds. It's not going to jive with me. And so it won't stick. So instead, I can say, I love the way in which the rain creates the green. And in the summer, when it is green, it is amazing. This idea of learning to live with it, though, get over it. Uh, It is what it is. Like there's so many phrases we use to say just that, like just learn to live with it. What is it called again? Cognitive dissonance. And what does that mean when you play it out? It doesn't go together. Okay. So that if you're like, oh, just just do it, you just need to get over it. Like that really isn't helpful either because your body's giving you a signal and and your brain is telling you, I don't like this sensation. I don't like how this feels. I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, I just hate the gray, and the gray is just overwhelming. And so we have to go, well, what's my emotional buy-in? Like, what what do I like? How does that even allow me to enjoy something else? And so I'm going to look at going, you know what? I really like that I get to wear warm clothes or I really do love my coffee because it's for such a long time, it's gray and rainy. I want to be inside by a fire drinking my coffee. Right. <laughs> and so how can I look for going, you know what? If I do these things I I might not want to do, I do get some more of what I do want to do. And so it's really almost like a bartering system in your brain of saying, if you do this thing you don't like, you get this thing you, you do like. Or, you know, I know you don't have to make yourself do this thing unless you can see a way in which it actually benefits you or speaks to you emotionally. Everything, Adam really has to have this emotional buy-in. Mm. And if there's no good emotion, no really, the primary neuro, neurochemical in our brain is dopamine for feeling good. I don't get some hit of dopamine. My brain's going to be like, it's not worth it. And I'm not going to do it. Period. That's a preview of Brain Science. If you love where we're going with this, send us an email to get on the list to be notified the very moment this show gets released. Email us at editors at changelaw.com. In the subject line, put in all caps, Brain Science, with a couple bangs if you're really excited. You can also subscribe to our master feed to get all of our shows in one single feed. Head to changelaw.com slash master or search in your podcast app for Change Law Master. You'll find it. Subscribe, get all of our shows, and even those that only hit the master feed. Again, changelaw.com slash master.
Thank you.